Well, good morning. It is good to be here again. Greetings from Shenandoah, as Drew already mentioned. The title of the message is For His Glory, or For God's Glory. Stewardship, I'm sure you're all familiar with the word, at least to some aspect, the job of supervising and taking care of something, whatever that might be. It's a very vague definition, but that is more or less the definition of stewardship. And then a steward is one that manages or looks after the property of another person. And I make that distinction of another person um, in, in that aspect. He does not own the property or the product, but is expected to make decisions that reflect the goals or the desires of the owner. That description is something we're very familiar with. Many businesses, you may be a manager, you may, be, you may have a business that has managers, Managers make most of the day-to-day decisions, but ultimately they need to answer to the owner. How the manager is viewed will determine on how well he has handled the task assigned to him. And those are obviously going to vary greatly from, in the business aspect, what that business might be. I've been thinking some recently on the aspect of stewardship and what that What that really is, oftentimes when I think of stewards, I think of managing um, possessions, property of, of somebody else. We're placed on this earth to be stewards. Genesis 2.15, very early in the Bible, says, Then the Lord took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. So right up front we have... Uh, we have a manager of somebody else's. We have the manager being Adam, somebody else's things being God's, tending the garden. And like I said, oftentimes when I think of managers or stewards, it is in the realm of possessions, material things. As I was thinking about that, the thought crossed me, is there, is there anything else that we are called to be a manager or a good steward of. And what I want to look at this morning is not material possessions, but simply our time. Are we required to be good managers or good stewards of our time? We have all been given given an allotted amount of time. We call it a lifespan. And obviously this span varies from person to person. We understand that. But we get to choose how or where, at least in some aspect, of how we're going to spend it, where we're going to spend it. Obviously, there's things that come up that were dictated without any um, choosing of our own what we're going to do. But for the most part, we get to decide how and when, or where, how and where, rather, we will spend it. We're going to look at Ephesians 5, a little bit of Ephesians 5, and look at redeeming the time. It is familiar verses, but I want to spend some time mainly on verse 16. I want to bring that into context a little bit by looking at the, first, the, first, the verses before that. And the title message, For His Glory, looking at our time. Are we managing our time? Are we redeeming the time for His glory? Because we are... 
Redeeming might not be the word for it, but we are using the time, whether for good or for bad. Um, So are we using it for God's glory, for his glory? Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 7, a title in my Bible calls, is called Walk in Love. I'm going to look at verses 1 through 7 and then also 8 through 14 before we get into uh, the redeeming the time. So verses 1 through 7 say, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Here we have, we'll back up some of the verses I didn't read. Um, Chapter 4 ends with the thought of forgiveness. Uh, Very familiar, uh, Ephesians 4.32, being kind one to another, forgiving one another. And then he he follows that with with the... um, Reminder to walk in love. Walk in love as Christ, has, as Christ hath loved us. We can ask the question, well, how was that? And obviously that was so much so that he has given his life for us. I feel we need to have Christ in us if we're going to understand that our time, or our life rather, the time given to us is not ours but the Lord's. And what we do with it is important. Um, if, we don't, if we don't understand that, our time is not really, it's not really going to matter. Or we, won't, we won't feel that it does. We won't feel that it is the Lord's if he's not already in us. So, I should have mentioned earlier, this is obviously a letter to the, a letter to the Ephesians. It is a letter to believers, those that have already believed. And now he's giving this direction um, to them. So walk in love as Christ, the perfect sacrifice, has loved us. Um, Our lives are to be in complete subjection to the will of the Lord. Uh, David said in Psalm 51, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So we first have Paul saying, walk in love. It's It's setting up for what he's going to say later. He goes on to mention the thoughts of being pure, for you know these things, and he, mentions, he lists, uh, makes a list there, of these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And towards the end of that, he says, be not deceived. And I think it's important that we understand this, um, the be not deceived. The, the devil is out there. He is looking to deceive. And those that are deceived with the... With Um, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God. It comes right after the list of sins. um, To he's warning us: stay pure, walk as Christ. Because Christ has loved us, we ought also to love Christ. To be deceived is to be persuaded otherwise. Let's look at verses eight through fourteen. Walking in light. 
For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For what whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Paul said walk in love. Now he's mentioning walk in light. And what does, this, what does it look like to walk in light? And we looked at some of this in our, our Sunday school lesson. Um, ties in well. But what does it look like to walk in light? He says the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. These things are light. In uh, contrast to what he mentioned just a few verses earlier on the sins um, that cannot enter heaven. These, those that walk in light, will portray goodness, righteousness, and truth. Light and darkness cannot mix. We understand that aspect. They can have no fellowship. A light removes darkness, and so should the light of Christ in our lives. We cannot, we cannot do that if we try to mingle with darkness. If there's darkness in our hearts, Christ cannot be shining out from among us. Our lives, our words, and our conduct should be a message to those around us. And that's something that I think of different times, of how does my conduct, do my actions speak? Um, is, it, is it a message to those that I come in contact with? Now I want to get into verses 15, 16, and 17. I talked about walking in love and walking in light. Just to bring us up to these, um, the, the heading of these next couple verses is walking in wisdom. Like I mentioned earlier, our time being devoted to God cannot have the same, we, we can't feel the same about it if we're first not, don't recognize the, what Christ has done for us and the desire to, to uh, be a light. So now we're looking at walking in wisdom. I believe I'll read 15, 16, and 17 of Ephesians chapter 5. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we're going to stay at these verses for a bit. Walking in wisdom. Paul now speaks on, on being wise, or walking in wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Principal can be um, translated the, the primary or the first thing. Principal should be the first thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom, obviously godly wisdom, is what we need to, to be guided. Um, Wisdom, what we know, what we understand, what we perceive to be good, if it is not godly wisdom, will lead us on a wrong path. We, first, we need to first see the significance in being separate from the world and the need to stay pure before we'll use our time to honor God. And I mentioned that earlier. But our human tendency is to claim it as our own. My time, I can do with my time what I want. I will do what I want. 
when I want and how I want to do it. It's easy to fall into that, easy to maybe unconsciously think that. I don't think it helps that we are bombarded with um, get it now or you deserve it kind of advertisements. If there's something new out there, obviously it's promoted as something that you must have. Um, and if they obviously know you don't have to have it, it's something that you deserve. You worked hard for it. Um, it's, it's your hard-earned money. It's your time. Um, you deserve it. And I think that can, can definitely be a distraction if we're looking to honor God with our time. There are many things that clamor for our time and our money. And we know that. So let's look at verse 15. So it takes diligence, at least for myself. This does not come easy. Walking in wisdom, using my time to honor God, not just sometime, but all the time. And we'll break it down a little bit more. It takes diligence. It says, see then. See then means to observe or to be aware. To be aware that we walk circumspectly. Also, where we don't use the whole lot is circumspect, circumspectly, but that means carefully or precise. So it takes diligence to, to observe and to be careful. If you're walking somewhere in the dark or a, a narrow path, whatever it might be, we do that carefully. We are deliberate about where we're going, what, where we're going to step next, crossing a creek, there's just a few rocks that are going to get us across without getting wet. Very carefully. We don't casually just, just jump across, but we, um, we carefully choose our, our footing. We observe, is the rock solid? And careful to put um, the correct balance of weight on it. It also takes discernment. That's in verse 16. Redeeming the time takes discernment. We have to make day-to-day -day decisions on what we're going to do with our time. I've seen redeeming the time also translated as to make good use of every opportunity. I want to look some at the aspect of making good, of, good use of every opportunity more in a broader sense, but also redeeming the time more personally, maybe in smaller increments. So to redeem is to buy up or deliver from loss. We're all given the same amount of time in a day or a week, as long as the Lord grants us life, obviously. Um, we're given 168 hours in a week. Um, and in that time span, we have certain things that need to be done. Uh, we, need to, we need to sleep, and we need to provide. And that's just a very small um, sample size of things that need to be done, but a few of the things that we don't really have much of a choice in. Um, these things are important. They should not be neglected. Also, on the thinking of things that, that in themselves they are not wrong, good careers, promotions, and large paychecks all seem to be um, the American drive. That seems to be what people want. And in themselves they are not wrong. Um, but I'm just going to make the suggestion, if that's the ultimate goal... Um, could our priorities be out of line? This is in the, in the context of looking at what we're doing with our time. Is that, 
is our time wrapped up in, in pursuing the next big thing. Again, I'm not, I'm not against any of those things. Those, the, a good career, that's great. Promotions, large paychecks, that's not, there's nothing wrong with, with any of them in particular. What I'm getting at is, is that our, is that our drive? Is that what we're using up our time with to get ourselves to that place? Ecclesiastes 2.11, Then I looked on all the works of my hands that looked on all the works my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of the spirit and there was no profit under the sun. A brief description of the emptiness of selfish labor. This is Solomon that would have wrote this. He had everything at his disposal, including wisdom, yet he recognized the emptiness of selfish labor and how if it's all to our own glory, it is as nothing. I'm sure we all want to make sure we make most of of the opportunities that come our way. Personally, I enjoy taking advantage of a good deal on something, whatever it might be, especially when something's on sale. Um, whether it's clothing items, tools, whatever it might be, if it's on sale, it, it, I, I enjoy taking advantage of that, making the most of that opportunity. But I also understand when that opportunity is available, generally don't last very long. It's going to come for a time, then it's going to be gone. The same is true with many interactions that we have with other people. Opportunity to share the gospel. It may just be a very brief window. It might happen again, but it might not. And then it's gone. Are we looking to redeem that time? I'll come, I'll come back to that a little bit later. Um, so while these opportunities need to be taken advantage of, I want to, take, I want to look at some other time that we need to be intentional with if we're going to be an effective witness for Christ. The, the witnessing, the being effective witness for Christ, being taking, taking advantage of every opportunity definitely does need to happen. We need to be um, intentional with that. But let's back up further in more of our personal lives. So for an example, a cup, the one that's right here, can hold a very refreshing, can hold very refreshing water. It can... Um, Looks like this one has cold water in it. But this first needs to be filled. This cup by itself is somewhat useless. It can't offer that refreshment if it first wasn't filled. So in a similar sense, if we wish to be refreshing others, if we are going to um, bring the gospel to other people, we first need to be filled. A high priority needs to be filling with the word. Um, a time of prayer, Bible reading, is time well used, is redeeming the time well. Psalm 63.1. We'll look at that verse briefly in that context of using our time. O God, thou art God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Are we seeking the Lord? In our Sunday school lesson, we heard, uh, we talked some about desiring. 
Is that a desire? And if we're going to uh, be effective in reaching others, it is something that we cannot neglect ourselves. Redeeming that time. It's mentioned numerous times throughout the Gospels of how Jesus separated himself from others so that he could be alone with God. Sometimes for hours, sometimes all night, he would separate himself so that he could be alone with God. Redeeming the time. Luke 10, we have the account of Mary and Martha. Mary was, or Martha rather, was busy serving, um, getting a meal prepared. And Mary, her sister, appeared to, be, appeared to be, be neglecting her duty, at least to Martha. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus while he was teaching. Martha comes over and says, why don't you, talking to Jesus, why don't you send her um, away because she needs to help me. And Jesus mentions that Mary has chosen the good part and it will not be taken from her. And I believe Jesus recognized that there is a time, there is a time to work, but there is a time that we need, we need to take the time to be edified and refreshed. I'm not saying that we need to become lazy and should do no work at all. Um, I feel rather for myself, sometimes I would err on the, the Martha side, always doing and not taking the time to be refreshed. Now let's look again at the, the importance of redeeming the time in the light of witnessing to others. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are saved, and that's great. But is that where it ends? I don't want to minimize the, the work on the cross. Christ died so that we can have salvation individually. But is that, is that where it's supposed to end? And I believe we would all agree that it doesn't. In the end of the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, is what we call the Great Commission. And it's, he's, he's sending, go. Um, he's, he's, telling the, he's talking to his disciples, but it is, a, it is a call to all believers to go and to preach. I'm going to turn to that. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. It's the commission that Jesus sent with, with his disciples, sending them out. But it's a commission that we as believers also have. We are to, um, to go out being an example. I mentioned earlier our lives should be a witness. Not that we need to, not that everybody is going to be going to foreign lands. I don't think that's what he means. In our neighborhoods, the people that we come in contact with on a regular basis is our, our actions, our conduct, and obviously our words. Are they, are they um, witnessing to others? I think sometimes the way we respond to situations, we might not say anything, 
But the way we, way we respond to situations can speak a lot louder than um, any words we might say. Jesus called his disciples at the beginning of his ministry. He um, called 12. He poured many hours into their lives, uh, spent lots of time. Was it to make sure that these particular ones would get to heaven? No, rather it was so that they would, um, that they would be, he, would, he sent them out later so that they would represent him. Mark 6, verse 7, is, is when Jesus is sending out his disciples. He said in Mark 6, chapter 7, and he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Jesus used the time that he had with his disciples to teach them, to build them up, and then ultimately to send them. We are to be ambassadors through Christ as though God were pleading through us. 2 Corinthians 5.20 talks about we are ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And we really stop and think about ambassadors. Ambassadors are those that go into foreign lands and represent a certain country. We have ambassadors in other countries. They are not citizens of that country, but they represent um, the country they're from. We are to be ambassadors for Christ, ones that um, reflect the kingdom of God. We understand the phrase of being pilgrims and strangers on this land. Sometimes I think that might be hard to keep in in mind sometimes. It's easy to get comfortable here, but um, we are to be strangers and pilgrims representing a heavenly kingdom. We're ambassadors through Christ, and I believe we can, when we fully realize this, that we're ambassadors for Christ, and also the limited time that we have here, we will look to seize every opportunity that comes our way. John 4.35 says, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. That was Jesus speaking. Um, Laborers. He needed laborers, because the fields were ready and white for harvest. The second half of verse 16 says, because the days are evil. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. We redeem the time personally, making sure we are familiar with God, so that we are not deceived. As he mentioned earlier in the chapter, um, do not let no man deceive you. If we are redeeming the time and taking time to be filled with the word, we're not going to be um, deceived. If we're redeeming the time and witnessing to others, if we're we're, we're redeeming the time by witnessing to others, um, we're also, um, also redeeming the time. So we live in a sinful world. People are dying without the Lord every day. And if you stop and think about that, that's, that's quite alarming. 
And we also know that at some point, this world is going to end. There's, the Bible talks of an end point. We don't know when that will be. There's going, to become a, there's going to come a time when there's going to be no opportunity. No opportunities to um, get right with God. This realization, I feel, should cause us a sense of urgency to be faithful to each appointment that God gives us. The divine appointments that God places in our lives. Some of them might seem very um, small, yet I don't believe any appointment, any divine appointment that we come in contact with, no matter how short, is insignificant. We will meet only a very small percentage of people that need to hear. Obviously, we can't meet everybody. We're not going to meet everybody. But let's be faithful in what we are given. The days are evil in the sense of time is short. And there are many lost people out there. Are we doing our part in redeeming that time? Are we um, allowing ourselves to be used in redeeming the small portions of time, the contact that we have with others? Satan also knows that his time is short. And I do believe he is desperate to, desperate to deceive. And he's also desperate to silence those that might believe. And if we think about that, and that goes back to some, are we saved simply so that we can avoid, that we can avoid hell? If we don't, if we're silent, if we're not willing to talk, if we're not willing to redeem the, the appointment that God set before us in crossing somebody else's path, I believe we are, are neglecting some responsibility. Satan may know that he's not going to persuade somebody to um, reject God, but if he can just get them to be silent, they won't teach anybody else. Nobody else is going to come to believe through that person. So the need to be active, willing to take advantage of opportunities. Verse 17 says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Again, the word wisdom, or it's unwise. Um, Wherefore, be wise, understanding what the will of the Lord is. How can we understand the will of the Lord? Or can we really know? We live in a demanding and a fast-paced society. We would all agree with that. We want what we want, and we want it now. Um, Our lives are busy, understand that, and there always seems to be something demanding our time. So how might we know, or can we really know, what the will of the Lord is? I'm going to go back to spending time with the Lord, the need to do that. We can, we can understand what the will of the Lord is, and I believe we should have a desire to know what it is. But we can't know it if we don't first redeem the time that we have in spending time with the Lord. So this, this takes wisdom. Understanding what the will of the Lord is takes wisdom. It's not something that's going to come upon us, most likely not, just out of the blue. 
We need to put, we need to be intentional. It takes intent, intentional seeking. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. God's will will look different for everyone. His will for your life might put you in a visible place. It might be a place where others can see your sacrifice. And I think of foreign missions. Those that sacrifice lots to go on, on foreign missions. It's, it's somewhat public. We, we can see it. We see the sacrifice. And sometimes that looks, um, looks notable. We, um, when somebody gives up years of their life on missions, it looks, it looks good. And we can, we can appreciate that. But what if that's not your calling? And it, it's not going to be for a large portion, a large portion of us. Foreign missions isn't going to be. But your, the, will, the will for your life might be, a sacrifice might be something that no one even notices. And are you okay with that? Serve with gladness, redeeming that time. I'm going to touch briefly on our spare time. What about our spare time? I know I just, I just mentioned um, how our lives are busy and it's demanding. There's always something to be done. But our spare time, the 10, the 15, 30 minutes, whatever it might be, um, that we find or we make throughout the day, our priorities are going to happen. We will make sure that they do. our spare time. We have so much at our fingertips. I think specifically of our phones. Everything is right there. It's, it's a computer in the pocket. And um, the, the, that computer in our pocket can be very useful. There is a lot of good that can come from it. But also, it can be very wasteful. And I'll be the first to admit that it, it happens to me. That 10 minutes seems insignificant at times. Uh, but how often does a 10-minute window that we intended to use for whatever it might be turns into something much longer? How, these, um, how the phone can, can take so much time. Is that 10, 10 minutes, that half an hour, um, is it significant? And it is. It definitely is. Now, I'm not opposed to relaxing or recreation. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I enjoy both of them. But for myself, speaking to myself first, we need to be aware of what they are and what influence they might have on us. And going back to our phones, spending time on them, whatever it might be, News, social media, whatever, whatever it is. Um, what for influence do they have on us? Are we aware of what they are and how much time they're taking, what they're doing to us? Philippians 4.8, I'm not going to read the whole verse, but it speaks of whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, think on these things. 
I have a, a news app on my phone that I like to look at occasionally, sometimes too much. Are these things what is just mentioned in Philippians? Are these things that spending time on, is it good? Is it just? Is it pure? Oftentimes what makes the news is not these things. There are news articles that are worthwhile, but there's many that aren't. So let's be aware of what we are putting in front of us. I didn't read verse 18, but let's look at that a little bit. Uh, 18, 19, and 20 say, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So lastly, there should be a power that we are filled with. And again, we talked about this in our Sunday school, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul makes the analogy of being drunk with wine. I think he mentions wine in here. Yeah, drunk with wine to the point where we don't have control of our bodies. We do things that, that we don't have any, any idea that we did them or said them. He says, do not be filled with that. That is um, where it is, is in excess or is... Another translation would say dissipation, debauchery. It's to the point where it's ungodly. But be filled with with something else, but be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot produce anything righteous on our own. It is only the Spirit through us. So the ability to redeem our time right in a godly way is going to come through the Spirit. We might do the right things, um, but if it, is without, if it is without Christ, it is nothing. And then as Christians, we should, um, breaking up verses 19 and 20 some, we should enjoy speaking about things of God. Is that something we enjoy doing? Singing in worship to God. Songs and hymns, spiritual songs. Giving thanks, recognizing God as the provider of all things. And lastly, submitting, um, living peaceably in humility in light of what Christ has done for us. Giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to conclude, time is a gift. It is to be used for the glory of God. But he has made us with a free will, a choice. So we get to choose how we will use this gift. Is it going to be for ourselves or is it going to be for his glory? And we all get to decide that ourselves. There's a poem I came across in my studies that I thought fit very well. It says, I, only ha- I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't reuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it. But it's up to me just how I use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. When we see our minute-to-minute decisions as in light of eternity, things that guide us toward an eternal end, 
I think we can actually see the importance of it and the, the need to redeem our time in a true and a godly way. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning. We thank you that we can gather together like this, look into your word. We look this morning redeeming the time. You've blessed us with an abundance of time, many hours in a day. Lord, give us wisdom to be able to discern how these hours and minutes should be used. Help us to desire to use them in a true and a godly way, things that are pure, things that we wouldn't be ashamed of later on. Just pray you would bless each one here, and as we look forward to next week and the many hours that stretch before us, might we be conscious of how we use our time. We thank you for your word, and thank you for what you've done for us. We pray this in your name. Amen.